What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Sunday, so time for another underdog sponsored video. This week, we're gonna be taking a look at my seven highest owned running backs on underdog to determine who my favorite running backs are to draft this season. Because it's one thing for me to say that I like a player, but another for me to show you and say, look, these are the seven running backs that I have been drafting the most. As always, if you want to get in some extra drafts, sign up for an underdog account today. Use promo code FFA. They'll match your first deposit up $200. Many of you signed up for all in on the website, so you should be putting that to good use. I have underdog strategy articles on the site, rankings you can upload directly to the site in seconds. So I highly recommend you draft over there, and I'm positive you're going to have an edge if you just use the rankings that you have access to when you signed up for my website. So... Who are my favorite running backs to draft this season? We'll start off in round one with Dalvin Cook. I've drafted Dalvin Cook in 19% of my leagues, and he gets taken anywhere from the 7th, 8th, or ninth overall spots on both underdog and in redraft leagues. Every single platform that I looked at, he was either 7th, 8th, or ninth overall. And I end up with so much of him, I think, just because he's my 7th ranked player, and so... You can get him a lot of times if you have the 7 pick, the 8 pick, the 9 pick. Sometimes he falls to the 10 pick. So there's just like a, a wide range where you can end up with Dalvin Cook. And I wanted to talk about Cook because we all sort of know how the first half of round one is supposed to go. You know, you've got your top two running backs going first and second. That should happen in pretty much every league. And then you've got the next three wide receivers and then Austin Eckler. That's the top six picks. Now, not every platform is going to have it exactly like that. So sometimes you're going to get lucky. If you have the seven, the eight, the nine, the 10 pick, one of those top six players falls to you, grab them. You know, that's just a general strategy in round one. But many leagues do start off that way as those are the top six. And so after that, you're kind of left being like, okay, what do I do? Right after that, it's kind of a question mark. You could basically go with any of Talvin Cook we're going to talk about or Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Mixon, Swift. Like, there's a, you know, a realistic argument, maybe some of them better than others, but there's a realistic argument for every single one of those, what I mentioned, six players at the seventh overall pick. I think you could argue for all of them. Now, I don't think there's like a blatantly incorrect decision here, so I don't think you're going to lose your league just because of who you decide to take at that like seven, eight, nine pick. But Cook, to me, makes a lot of sense for that spot. Some of these players have offense concerns. Some of them have offensive line concerns. Some aren't involved of one of the two big areas, either rushing or receiving work, maybe being dominant in one but really lacking in the other. And then Kamara is like the one case where it's like you have that suspension looming, so you prefer to get him in round two. But Dalvin Cook has a really nice blend of everything, right? He's going to be used plenty on the ground. He's not someone who only catches passes, but he'll be used through the air. He's really good in the receiving game, and he can bust off, you know, a 70-yard screen pass on any play. And Cousins isn't an elite quarterback, but he's more than capable, and he supported extremely fantasy-relevant players for years. The offense is going to be improved this season under their new system, and while the offensive line isn't like top five, it's not awful like I would say that's the one negative for taking Dalvin Cook is the offensive line isn't that great but it's good enough to where the offensive line will not be the reason that he doesn't find 
success. There's just very little that you can take away from Dalvin Cook. And we've seen him finish as a top five running back overall in two of the last three seasons with the only drop off happening last year when he got really unlucky with touchdowns. So if you're looking to start off running back, running back, like many of you are, you're looking in the middle of the first round, you're like, all right, I know I'm going running back here. Who do I take? I think if Dalvin Cook is on the board, then I really do believe he's an exceptional option. He's someone that I have been targeting repeatedly this summer. Next up is actually a duo of running backs. And I would just make it my goal in every draft. It's not going to happen, obviously, in every league, but I'd make it a goal of mine to leave every draft with one of Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or both. We're actually going to talk about that scenario kind of to end this take. So Jones goes in like the middle of the second. It doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter if you're doing best ball, if you're doing redraft leagues, if you're on ESPN, if you're on sleeper. Like basically everyone has him as a mid-second round pick. You're not going to find very many different ADPs for Aaron Jones. That's just where he goes. And then A.J. Dillon goes anywhere from like the late fifth round at the earliest, more to that like five, six turn into like the middle of the sixth round. That's kind of like the general area. He's going a little bit later in redraft leagues because a little earlier on underdog. And I have just shy of 20% exposure to each of them. Uh, and actually I'm in a lot of slow drafts right now where I've already taken AJ Dillon. So that number is probably going to rise. He could end up being my single highest on running back this season. And I get asked a lot about these two, you know, basically like, there's the big question, can we draft both, which I'll go over. Um, but the other question is like, if I like one of them, does that mean I dislike the other? Like many people are really in on Aaron Jones and they're like, okay, I missed out on him because maybe I just didn't have like a mid second round pick. Can I get AJ Dillon? Like with how much I like Aaron Jones, does that mean I dislike Dillon and vice versa? If you really like AJ Dillon, does that mean you shouldn't be taking Aaron Jones in round two? And I think the answer to that is no. I think it's extremely likely that both of them are going to have really good seasons, and each one of them comes with obvious league-winning upside. Now, I do think it's relatively unlikely, pretty much actually impossible, that both hit their true ceiling. Their highest outcomes obviously come when the other one gets injured. They're each, I would say Aaron Jones probably turned into a top three running back. Dylan might turn into a top like seven running back, so Jones has the higher ceiling. But regardless... They're both winning leagues if the other one gets injured. But together, I have them combined for 110 receptions, just shy of 23 combined touchdowns, and over 2,650 combined yards. And if you just package that all up together, you basically get two low-end running back ones. So if you wanted to, and you got Aaron Jones in that mid-second, and then you got to, let's say, like, the late sixth round or, like, mid-sixth round. Like, you, you kind of made it into where it's, like, on the platform you're on, A.J. Dillon's a discount, and he's the top option available because I wouldn't reach to make this happen. But if he's top in the rankings, if he's, you know, a value by ADP where you're drafting, I don't see a problem with drafting both of them and basically treating it as a player block. You're saying, I'm going to start the both of these two players each week. And it is just incredibly unlikely both fail. They'll probably be like two to three games a season or maybe the Packers don't perform that well and both of them don't have great weeks. But realistically, that's going to happen with every single duo that you get. 
Like even if they're uncorrelated, there are just going to be weeks where you're like running back two and your flex option both don't do that fantastic. That's just going to happen naturally anyways. So I think that it's okay because what do we really think the Packers offense is doing if both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon don't work out in a week? And so what you can do is you can take both of them. I'm imagining you probably took them as like, again, Aaron Jones running back two, you'd be playing Dillon in the flex and just say, hey. No matter what happens, maybe this is a week where A.J. Dillon scores two touchdowns. Maybe this is a week where Aaron Jones goes off. But together, if you add up the points between the two of them, I'm basically just getting two low-end running back ones. And if you can consistently get that level of production, I think it's fine that some weeks it's going to be more towards Dillon. Some weeks it's going to be more towards Aaron Jones. So, yes, I think you can take them both in the same team. No, I don't think that, you know, liking one means you need to dislike the other one. Like I said before, I wouldn't go out of my way to do this, I wouldn't say, oh, I have Aaron Jones. Let's get that player block. Let's reach on A.J. Dillon. I would still, if you've got Jones, make sure that Dillon is still top player in the rankings and a value by ADP. But I don't think you need to shy away from doing it if it's clearly the top option on the board. And that is, you know, not something I was really on board with even just a few weeks ago. But I think the more I think about it, the more I think that, like, you can just imagine the total points right? You don't need to win specific matchups. You just need your total score at the end of the week to be higher than your opponent. And if you can draft two players that are going to combine for both low and running back one production, I don't see why that's a bad thing to do, especially because, you know, you're not taking Christian McCaffrey and another running back and saying they're going to combine. Like you're getting it in a mid-second round and like a sixth round pick. You know, if you can take two players at that ADP and get two low and running back ones, that's pretty good. So again, like both of them a ton on their own. If you miss out on Jones, make sure you try and get Dylan. But I think it's okay to do together. Next up, how about Jamal Williams? I mean, how awesome of a pick is he because of where he goes? He's going in like the 13th, 14th round turn on underdog, more of that mid-13th round in redraft leagues. And that's just such a beautiful ADP because there's no risk. Like at that point, draft whoever you want. Most of these players are going to bust anyways. Like, there's no risk. There's no real opportunity cost with a 13th round pick. But he's going to be heavily involved in the offense, even while DeAndre Swift is healthy. I mean, I even have Williams projected for 32% of the team's carries compared to 46% for Swift. Like, Williams is still going to be used plenty. And then, what happens if Swift goes down? I mean, you're getting... 15 to 20 carries, three to five targets a game behind a top five offensive line for Jamal Williams. Like if you just told me I'm drafting Jamal Williams this season and Swift is going to miss three games. I'm like, okay, there's three games for my 13th or 14th round pick. Maybe 15th round if he falls is a running back one. Now maybe they can get hurt at the same time. That'd just be like unfortunate timing. But where is the risk there? I mean, if you're just going to get a few games of fantastic production and the opportunity for someone who's still going to be on what is going to be a better offense than people think, behind a really good offensive line, getting touches, you can still rotate Jamal Williams in if you have bye weeks, if you have multiple injuries. You're like, I just need a few points for my running back two this week. Williams can do that. And that's a really valuable thing to have on your roster. So I'm all in on Jamal Williams. Uh, his ADP has been way too late this season, and it's not going to rise. I mean, at this point, there's no way Jamal Williams skyrocketed in ADP. He's a great later round pick. Great guy to add as like just your last running back. Another must draft for me uh, is one that definitely 
is not going to be someone anyone's predicting. Everyone's going to be surprised to see this one. But it's Nick Chubb. Now, it depends where you're drafting. On Underdog and on ESPN, he goes in the early third round, and I have seen him slip plenty of times into the mid-third round. On Yahoo, NFL, Sleeper, he's an early to mid-second round pick. That's a no. So if you're drafting on those platforms, you see him in the early, mid-second round, it's a no for me. I'm not drafting him that early. He's definitely not must-draft there. But we should be all over him in the early to mid-third round because of what it's setting up for your roster. Your potential starts at that point are one of McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor, along with one of the big three wide receivers. Like That's basically uh, what you're going to be starting with the top five pick. It's pretty unlikely that in like a 12-team league, he wraps around and he's going into like the late third round. So people who are drafting him, again, on underdog on ESPN, have either McCaffrey or Taylor, or they have a top three wide receiver. Then in round two, you're getting your choice. Either the, the later, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette, Javonta Williams of the world, maybe, you know, like an Aaron Jones slips to at that point, or just an incredible wide receiver. You know, you're... Um, Debo Samuel, your Mike Evans. Then you get to pair that player with Nick Chubb, someone who over the last three years has averaged a season-long pace of over 1,550 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns and has no clear signs of slowing down. I mean, he's running behind the third best offensive line in the league. We know that Watson is suspended for the first 11 games of the season. But what do you think is going to happen during those weeks? Like, obviously, he's going to score less. His touchdown upside will be less. But he's the focal point of the offense. Every single play is going to be designed to Nick Chubb over the first 11 games. And then when he comes back, Watson, well, the offense is going to be much better. And then he's going to have more touchdown upside. And those are the weeks that matter anyways in fantasy. And again, you get to take this player as the last elite player at the position before the drop-off. Because he goes after Javonta Williams, after Leonard Fournette, then it's Nick Chubb, and then it's a cliff into everyone else that probably shouldn't even be a third-round pick. It's basically, you either take him, or you're taking a wide receiver, you're taking Kyle Pitts. So again, it benefits people no matter what the start was, and it really benefits people who've been asking the question, well, Nick, what do I do if I'm picking third? And McCaffrey and Taylor are off the board. Do I reach and take Austin Eckler because all the running backs will be gone and we want to start off with running backs early? Or do I take Justin Jefferson? And I've been telling people, we'll take Justin Jefferson. This kid could have 2,000 receiving yards a season. He is an unbelievable pick. He's going to give you just monster performances every single week. And then you get to round two, and you might have your choice between Javonta Williams and Leonard Fournette. And round three, you have Nick Chubb. And if you can start off like that, it mitigates the risk of not having running backs early on. And it gives you Justin Jefferson, someone who can have, again, 2,000 receiving yards this season. And it's just like there's no reason not to do that. It's saving a lot of people who have that top three wide receiver are really, really scared of what they're going to get in round two, in round three at running back. Take Nick Chubb. You know he's going to produce. You know he's got a high weekly ceiling. And hey... What if Kareem Hunt does get traded away? He doesn't want to be on the team right now. It would be a drop down to Ernest Johnson, and you got to know Nick Chubb's still going to have a monster on this offense. He's a really good pick because of what he allows you to do with your team. And what about the people who took McCaffrey or Taylor first and second? 
Well, now you can either draft an awesome wide receiver in round two, or you can go running back, running back, running back, and then you're open to taking like six, seven wide receivers in a row after that. He fits every single build. He really is a good pick. Again, early third round, though. One player that I actually have more of, though, than any player on this list is Naheem Hines. Over 20% exposure to him comes off the board in the 11th round on underdog and in redraft leagues. I have him as a 10th rounder on underdog, 9th rounder in redraft. And that's just because he also fits every single build beautifully. And I'm fully convinced he's going to have like 60 plus receptions this season. I mean, no matter how you start off a draft, Hines is a good pick. Like if you went running back heavy early on and you just need, you know, an extra bench running back to fill in when there's bye weeks, when there's injuries, Hines, he's a phenomenal pick. He's going to have production every week. He's going to have a high weekly ceiling in their games where they're trailing and their games where they're scoring a lot of points, but the reception floor is going to be there. If you went RB zero, which pretty much only people in full PPR leagues are going to do, well, he's going to catch enough passes to like put up, you know, low end running back two numbers in full PPR leagues. And so if you're searching for that answer to just be a fill-in early in the season when you're looking at free agency, you're looking at the trade market, you're trying to figure out that running back position, he'll get you enough points to get by. So he fits every build. You can't start most backup running backs. Like most people you're taking, you know, in this range are pure handcuffs. They're guys that it's like you're kind of just rostering. Uh, If the starter goes down, then you can use them. But Hines is a unique case where, you know, he can be used even when Jonathan Taylor is healthy because he's going to catch, you know, 60, 65 balls. That has a high weekly floor. One thing I'll say for the crowd that's out there in like standard scoring formats, no. I'm not drafting Heem Hines in a standard scoring format. So this is everyone in half PPR and full PPR leagues with an obvious lean towards the crowd that is drafting on like ESPN, drafting in full PPR formats, much better there. But like I said, I think he's an awesome pick on underdog because I love those running back early builds. Grab like three running backs in the first four rounds. Wait a long time. Grab Hines as your last one. You're getting a little bit of a stable floor with that ceiling of the elite guys. It's just a great build to have. Last player we're going to go over today uh, is an easy one. It's a player that we've talked about like two or three times a week for the past month now. And it's Damian Pierce. And I'm honestly not even going to do like a lot to sell you on at this point. You've seen on Twitter, you know, all the highlights in the preseason. You've heard the coaches talk about how he is the locked in running back one. They're trying to figure out who the running back two even is. You know, you've seen um, my take on, on the Texans offense just being like they all project really well, projecting the entire Texans offense to be bad. The whole take I have really is what if they're not bad? What if? They have, you know, a young ascending quarterback with decent wide receiver talent. And now Pierce is actually going to be a good player in the run game. You know, what if they're not a bottom five offense? What if they're only like bottom 12? These guys are going to shatter their ADPs. And it's like his ADP is so late. I mean, I have him as of recording this. They're back 24, fifth round grade. He goes in the eighth round on underdog, the 10th round across the industry. I know a lot of you are drafting today and you need to figure out you know, where you're taking him, I'll say this, everyone's heard of him at this point. Like, unless you're playing in a league where everyone is just like living under a rock and they're just going to draft him by their ADP, you have to assume that your league mates are going to reach on Pierce. So if his ADP is the 10th round and you're drafting, understand that it's relatively unlikely that he actually lasts that long. I would be willing to take him like two rounds ahead of ADP because, well, I guess it depends on what the ADP is on the site. 
but because I have him ranked as like a late fifth round pick. So even if you're saying, oh, 10th round grade, let's take him in the eighth round. Is that bad because I'm reaching? I mean, not really. If I grade him out as a late fifth round pick and you take him two rounds ahead of ADP in the eighth, I mean, my rankings say you got more than two rounds of value there. So I think I'd be willing to take him in like the seventh round, even if his ADP is in round 10. Obviously, you've heard me say plenty of times, the upside to your team does come if you can wait longer by ADP, but just judge your league. How many people in your league do you think are paying attention, know of Pierce, know when they're going to take him? If you don't think anyone you know fits that bill, wait as long as you want. But if you've got like five or six players in your league that you know are on Twitter, you know have heard of him, you know want to draft him, you're going to have to reach. Don't think you can get him at his ADP this weekend. It's simply not going to happen. He's played way too well. Too many people have heard about him. So those are seven running backs that I have the most exposure to on Underdog and who I highly recommend drafting no matter what the platform is. This list includes a first, second, third, sixth, seventh, 11th and 14th round running back. So you've got a good range of players for every portion of the draft, kind of leaving out that mid-range because we don't love running backs in the mid-range. If you want to see my exact ranking for every running back under every scoring format and with specific rankings, if you're in three wide receiver leagues or maybe two wide receiver and two flex spot leagues, you can always check that out at my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. I'll be back tomorrow with the Final Mock Draft Monday of the 2022 season, Tuesday, live, 6.30 Eastern this week because I have a draft at 8. I'll answer all your questions there and do an underdog draft with all of you. And then Wednesday when I go over the best pick on each of the major platforms. So make sure you subscribe, click that little bell notification so you get notified when my videos go live. That, my friends, is into this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.